mobility today is this idea that I believe, and so does the company believes, that every human has the right to move, has the human right to be able to move. And the more that we can create freedom for a person to move, that's what we're going to pursue. Today's episode is not a car company. You may be thinking, well, if Toyota isn't a car company, what do we do all day? So we brought a few of our friends and colleagues in to help answer that question, starting with Jack Hollis, Group Vice President and General Manager, Toyota Division. Jack is king of the live stream. When it comes to revealing new vehicles, there's no one more excited than Jack to get up there and tell you all about our vehicles. He's dynamic, he's up there, he's using his hands, and he just loves doing it. So we brought him on the show because we wanted to know a little bit more about why he's so excited and why it's not just because of cars. So what gets you up every day, Jack? Yeah. What gets me up every day? You know, I love life. I, I truly love the opportunity to work for this company. I have a great and incredible family. Mm-hmm. Um, what gets me up, actually, just to be you know, very personal, is I have a, a personal faith. Quite honestly, that's who I am. And that's why I love every day to get up and, and serve him. And that's what I do. Yeah, that's awesome. And there are any days that you're like, man, I just really don't want to go into work today. You know what? I, I, I'm going to tell you this seriously. Yeah, please. I don't remember one. Oh, God, I that's so Pollyanna. I kind of love I it. I know it doesn't really work. <laughs> and I know it sounds a little geeky and Pollyanna-ish. You know, that's true. Those kinds of words, you know, you make you think about, you know, it's, it's utopia or something that's kind of, you know, it's almost a little too, too sugary. To yeah. yeah. But why shouldn't we be excited about a company that does put people first. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we should be promoting that because in the end, what is it that all of our work ends up producing? It produces mobility in now for an end consumer to use. Mm-hmm. I don't think that consumer can be as excited and, 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 be, and be as freed up and meet the goals that we have to see that customer enjoying their life, enjoying their product, enjoying... If we're not feeling the same way. Yeah. And the only way for us to feel the same way is to feel valued as people. Well, as your speechwriter, yeah. I feel the exact same way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Kelsey. You always make me feel that way. <laughs> Amazing. All right. I mean, I, I don't know if, 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 you know, talked about it before, but, you know, one of the core tenets of this company is respect for people. But respect isn't enough. Respect is the core. Yeah. But beyond that is love of people. Mm-hmm. That's how you solve problems. You find out what people need. You solve them. That's why I love working with our dealerships. Yeah. yeah. I mean, our dealerships are amazing. And when our connection to our dealerships is that we're listening to them all the time. Mm-hmm. The respect for people is not enough. It's to love them and what they're doing. That's why this company, it is a little sometimes Pollyanna-ish because we put that as our core value is the people first. And that's what I dig. But let's talk about, let's go back. Let's go. Let's talk about transition of Toyota because I'm sure you've seen a lot in your 26, 27 years. Yeah. But... There's just been transition at Toyota overall in the automotive industry. How have you seen it change in your time here? And then how do you see it going forward for Toyota? You know, I don't think I can necessarily even talk about what I've seen without talking about what I what was came before me. Because I think what came before me being here um, is part of the interest that today, or I guess maybe the depth of why I love the company. Because if you go back to when the starting of the company, the company didn't start as an automotive company. And people, you know, look at Toyota... It, Today, oh, yeah, it's, a, it's an automotive company. Yeah, right. Of course well, it is. They don't realize we started as a loom works company. Right. You know, an automatic loom where a son was trying to help his mother. Mm-hmm. And the son was then trying to help a village. And the son was trying to help a country. That's where our company started. So we've expanded over time, right? We started as this loom works company. And then we became a domestic or a Japanese automotive company. Mm-hmm. 
And it grew. And the Toyota family continued to grow this from that to a global automotive company. And so I've been a part of, and since my, you know, since my coming to the company in 1992, what I've been able to see is us grow that global footprint from really kind of a Japanese-centric, kind of grew a little bit here in Europe, grew in, the, in, in, the, in North America, grew a little bit in Australia, other places, to now a full-on global manufacturer with plants all over the world, selling vehicles all over the world. And now we're you know, embarking. You know, I, I kind of get excited about the next step is we're moving in from global automotive to global mobility. And so I've seen it. I've seen this kind of transition and this huge growth. Yeah, and I, it's going to happen again. So I always wonder, I'm like, what does mobility mean? It can mean something different to Kelsey, to me, mm-hmm. to anybody. Like, what does mobility mean to Toyota? If you asked 20 people on these podcasts, you're probably going to get 20 different answers with just core pieces that, that match up. Because mm-hmm. there isn't a specific definition, and I don't think that any of us should be trying to nail down one. Yeah. Because mobility, even in its word, is, is, is you know, words come to mind like agility um, and freedom. And these things are not stationary, right? They're not, they're not a one-time thing. But mobility today is this idea that I believe, and so does the company believes, that every human has the right to, to move, has the human right to be able to move. And the more that we can create freedom for a person to move, mm-hmm. that's what we're going to pursue. So mobility can be anything depending on where you live. In some places, the ability to walk on a street would be mobile, would right. be mobility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For some people, it's outer space, travel. For other people, it's... We're not building rockets. No, <laughs> not No. <yet. laughs> you never know. Uh-oh, you heard it here no, first. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but I think what I say is, and I think this idea is we believe a human rights there to move. And yeah. I think what Toyota wants to do and what I would like to see happen is to be able to give individuals more ability and freedom to move. And that's mm-hmm. what we want to be able to do for them. Yeah, and I think that you tied it back perfectly because that that is the premise of our company. So he created this this loom to help his mom. We're creating these products to help people move where they may experience challenges right now. And I think it's a really, just a really cool place to be. It's more than just cars. So while Jack is focused on defining the future of mobility through some of our more traditional methods, we sat down with Doug Moore, the Director of Technology for Human Support, to tell us more about the Toyota Human Support Robot. This robot and other technology we're using is revolutionizing mobility physically, socially, and emotionally. So people might say, okay, director of technology for human support, what does that mean? You get to play with robots all day. Yes. Can I I tell you a fun story? Yes. In the 1980s, the late 80s, there was like a surge of robot toys that came out and my brother got one for Christmas and it was like this little robot. It was cute and you could like have controls and it would go around and follow you and it would like bring you stuff. And it was the coolest thing ever. I wish we still had that. Was the robot connected to the controller? No. Because when I was was little, I wanted a remote control car for Christmas so bad. And my aunt, like not my favorite aunt, got me one and the car was literally connected yes. to the controller so they I had still to have follow those. it around. Yes. It's like those, have you seen those dogs and like cats now for kids and it's like connected to the remote control and it does flips and stuff but you have to walk around with it. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It should not, like a remote control car it means to me it's controlled by the remote and I don't have to follow it around. As a parent, I now understand sort of the genius of that idea so you can actually get your kids to exercise while they're playing with a toy. So, uh, Wow. I was so disappointed. Huh. Is it like a, a leash to a toy? <laughs> I, I wasn't going to go there, but sure. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'll say. You could, yeah, there you go. But you actually get to build robots. 
Yes. So we look at sort of what goes into robots and intentionally sort of say, what is the technology that's related to robotics world? And how do we actually apply that to people and human support? So so why are you employed by Toyota? <laughs> great, great, great question. <laughs> you know, most of the time when I tell people, especially when I first started working for Toyota, they say, oh, where do you work? Oh, Toyota. And it's like immediately like something about the car or something mm-hmm. about, you know, it's like, oh, this. And I have to say, I don't, I don't work in the cars. I work in robotics. Yeah. And then they immediately think, oh, robotics on the factory line. Right? Like, mm-hmm. Exactly. No, I don't do robotics there. I, I think about robotics for helping people and the, their face is like confused. Like, oh, Toyota does that? <laughs> and it, so It's like uh, the movie Office Space. People are like, so what is it that you do? On a day I days. work with people. That's right. That's right. Like you said earlier, it's, it's not something people expect mm-hmm. to come from Toyota, mm-hmm. but it is something that we do. And yeah. so maybe they should come to expect it. And now that they learn a bit more from us. Mm-hmm. When I joined Toyota... Uh, I did join under the robotics world. So one of the things that was attractive was saying, hey, this is an opportunity to do robotics where you have a Japanese company that obviously is involved in robotics. Mm-hmm. There's passion around the community to do this. But it was even more so within Toyota, once you get to realize who they are, mm-hmm. the passion about quality of life is really important. And so why we're doing this here is Toyota is not necessarily about to say, well, is it the most academic research space, which we're doing some of that stuff as well. But it's really sort of what is the holistic picture of bringing sort of quality of life to people. And I'd like to break down the whole robotics conversation a bit because I feel like some of our, when our listeners will think of robotics when it comes to an automotive company, they may think of the robotics that go into manufacturing our vehicles or I don't know, future vehicles that may operate robotically. So can you explain on a general level, when you say robotics, what does that mean? Layman's terms. Yeah. Layman's terms. Robotics is like a complete system that comes together to enable something to do stuff in the real world. So when you think of a robot as opposed to another person, a robot is so basic, you have to tell it each and every little detail of what to do. We're at a point right now where we're thinking about artificial intelligence. There's different ways of sort of that AI word is all-encompassing as well. So you have machine learning, which is basically just taking a lot of data and fitting it into sort of categories. And then you also have sort of behavioral, contextual, situational awareness type of learning where it's a little bit more complex. It's not every data fits in that scenario. We as humans also do this really well. If you have things like it's called one-shot learning, This a good example of this is if you go into your house, you're cooking something, you put your hand on a hot stove, Guess how many times you're going to do that again? Never, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a one-time learning deal. It happens once, you don't ever do it again. Typically in machine learning, you need things over and over and over before you really get that learning. So there's a jump between just saying, hey, we have a ton of data and let's use that to make things work better to how to actually apply the right value system that comes in from the outside world. So value, what is good, what is bad, now this hurts, this doesn't hurt Mm -hmm. (laughs) type of stuff. And then applying that as well to the sort of platform. And what would the platform or the robot actually, what what could we describe it to look like? You know, is it something that when you say, I mean, when you say human support, I'm thinking of things that help humans. So what would would a robot in this situation look like or do? Yeah, so the robot in itself is just comprised of this technology and put together in a platform that helps people. So it can take any shape, right? It can take any shape. It's not like a robot-looking human. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And so 
traditionally, when we hear the term robot, we always sort of immediately right. think of Rosie the robot or something, you know, something mm-hmm. that we've all been associated with in our life. Where Wait, can I stop you for one second? Mm-hmm. I would like to say when I think of a robot, I don't know if you guys remember on Saved by the Bell when Screech had a, ro- a robot <laughs> yeah. friend. Yeah. And that like followed him around everywhere. No? <laughs> I do remember that. I, I mean, like, I remember Saved by the Bell, but I don't remember that. Screech had a robot. And when, I, when people say robot, that is literally the one that I think of every time. So. I go to uh, SpongeBob SquarePants Plankton's robot. That helps him try oh, to take yeah, over. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's when, that's what I Okay, sorry. No, sorry about that. The, okay. That's the point. Is yeah. Everybody, when you say robot, everybody has something that immediately connects to it, mm-hmm. right? And you have sort of the expectation of what's going on there. Whereas if I said vacuum, you don't really have that different expectation. So Roomba is mm-hmm. a robot, but it's vacuum that's going there. So how do we use some of the stuff that's in here? One of the projects that we worked on was for the blind and visually impaired. So we mm-hmm. first, the first thing that we thought of was go, okay, let's make a robot to help these individuals move. But the key thing within Toyota is that we believe in getting to know your customer. It's our Genshin Gimboots who go there and actual place, actual thing. So the first meeting that we had with uh, the CEO of the Lighthouse for the Blind in San Francisco, literally within five minutes, we realized robot is not the right answer because mm-hmm. they move, they're fast, they use public transportation, all of these things that people can do really well, a robot still has a long way to go to get to that sort of level of platform. But what we realize is that we can actually use things that are invested into robots and technology, i.e. computer vision, and use that to help them understand and interpret their world, right? So how do we actually do that type of stuff? And then you mm-hmm. have to continue to develop with these things. This and seems e- like a lot of work. <laughs> it, it is, but it's, it's fun work. I mean, when you, yeah. it's, it's about really just, and again, what your passion is as a person. So for me to get to know people and actually understand sort of mm-hmm. what their challenges are, it was good. And then, and then you continue to learn more about yourself, right? Yeah. So when you're going through this process, not only do you learn about other people, but you learn about what is it in your life that, you mm-hmm. know, maybe it's a change of perspective. Maybe it's a new idea. Maybe it's uh, inspiration for wanting to do something fun in your life. All these things come from our interactions with other people, right? Yeah. And so from that sort of point of perspective, we're able to say, okay, here's technology. Here's a need. Let's put those two together and then make it sort of available for these people. So right now we have HSR, right? What human support robot. Yep. I call her a she. You say it's not a she, it's an it. Yeah. <laughs> it's I a say robot. It is what you define it to be, right? So <laughs> I just keep calling it she. But what were the iterations before HSR came into play? Because HSR is kind of the the robot that you're most building on right now, right? That's correct. Okay. So what what happened kind of leading up to HSR? So the partner robot group in Japan was founded in 2000. They did some component development. And from that, they actually developed a bunch of platforms that were more for entertainment. So there's one that was playing the trumpet. There was one that was playing the drum, playing the violin, etc. Just to be like, hey, look, we can build a robot and look what it can do. And this one actually looks like a human, right? Like it yeah. is in a human shape. Yeah. Oh, and there's various different shapes, right? So there's mm-hmm. a taller one, a shorter one. Robina was the sort of the feminine version. Okay. I don't know if they had guy names for the taller ones. The point of that actually, I think, was not just to say, hey, we can do stuff with robots, but it's thinking about how do you actually, what is the important interaction with seniors living in community? So entertainment is actually one of those things that's really important. So mm-hmm. how do you actually provide entertainment? So... I think last time we chatted, I told you a little bit about my cousin mm-hmm. who does health therapy, mm-hmm. so music health therapy, right? Mm-hmm. And so she actually is the real person that does this type of stuff where she goes and plays guitar for people that have cerebral palsy or sort mm-hmm. of different sort of syndromes. And the change in those people as she's doing these things, I've been there and watched her yeah. do these types of things. It's amazing, right? So even on this sort of level of social interaction, you can have some music entertainment for these individuals. But 
After those robots, I think there was a number of generations of HSRs that went through the process to get us to where we are today. And there is currently a sort of ongoing sort of review of what does that future platform or that future HSR look like. So there was probably about two or three different HSR versions. I can't speak with authority because that was done mostly in TMC in Japan. Mm -hmm. The situation that we are right now is saying we have a platform that's actually sufficient and capable of doing a lot of things to interact with people. Mm -hmm. The question is still driving back to understanding what does that need? How do I make it affordable and accessible to these individuals? Because typically the people that have the most benefit don't have the most money, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. how do we marry those two together? So you want to pare it down. Just like I said earlier, it's, it's thinking about it as a tool more than a robot, right? And so what is that sort of process? How do we actually look at those things in that way? So what are the needs that Toyota is exploring right now? Because I'm sure there are so many needs that we would want to help everybody, right? But right. we can't help everybody. So what needs are we exploring? So right now we're focused on mobility for all. And what does mobility for all mean? I think everybody has a different definition for mobility. Mm -hmm. And I think what we first start with is physical mobility and saying, how do we actually help move people, which will enable both social and emotional mobility as well. When you think about sort of opportunities that are there and what are sort of the personal feelings that come with those opportunities, how we get out there. Within this space of looking at these tools or what is that mobility for all, currently Toyota does great in curb to curb. How do we actually have vehicles that take you from one place to another? But in the home and around the home and around the environment that you live in on a day-to-day basis, how well can we actually do that? So my group is actually looking at a spectrum of mobility. So we have the high end of the spectrum where it's grandma that's looking for that last solution that helps her get off the bus and go walk around the grocery store, all the way down to a quadriplegic that's in his house. And how do we actually serve him as an individual that needs sort of assistance on a day-to-day basis? Mm-hmm. And we've done the, the latter, right? Yeah, we've done the latter where we've actually gone and done a test with a gentleman named Romy in his house and we brought him some water. That's an area, though, that clearly needs a lot more work mm-hmm. when we think about how do we do that interaction. And again, that's what we're using HSR to study some of these things for. But when you say got him some water, I feel like you should give your guys you, a little yeah. bit more credit yeah. because it literally, the robot, and there's a video, and I think that it's on YouTube. If you guys want to see the Romy video, go to toyotaeffect.com. And the Romy, can you spell it, Doug? Romy, R-O-M-Y. Mm-hmm. Camargo, C-A-M-A-R-G-O. There you go. Search for that and you'll be able to see one of the most amazing videos it's, ever. It's honestly so cool. To, when Doug said they got them water, the, the robot literally goes, gets his water bottle and hands it to him because he has obviously limited mobility and a lot of other things. It's it's really cool. So, And that is HSR in the video for everyone who's watching. Yeah. So you can see it. And then, you know, make sure you tag Toyota and vote whether it's a girl or not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think, again, when you get back to Romy and what you're doing in this environment, uh, thank you for the credit. Mm -hmm. But the real credit goes to people like Romy that are sort of Mm -hmm. dealing with this on a day-to-day basis and being willing to allow us to say, how can we help you in your needs? Yeah. And how can we get involved in your environment? Right. Right. Because, I mean, they let us in their home where his wife is his primary caregiver, right? So it's not only helping him in his day-to-day tasks, but it's helping her or his other caregivers as well to kind of make their life a little bit more accessible and a little bit more efficient. Yeah, absolutely. And the key thing with all this stuff too, which is important to each of these individuals, is to really show that we're allowing them to have some independence as a person, right? Mm -hmm. So when you feel like you have a little bit of that control back in your life to make these choices and do something independently, it changes internally how you sort of feel like you might attack the day. And this is true of all of us, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, it's very visible in in a 
somebody like Romy where it's like they have that challenge, but all of us have that sort of struggle where it's mm-hmm. like we want some of that independence as a person to be able to do these things. Mm-hmm. So fundamentally, that's where it comes back to for me at Toyota. It's like, why am I here? Because yeah. I have the opportunity to make these impact across the spectrum of people, how they feel independence and feel good about themselves to go about their day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to touch on. So like, obviously you have to be, this is really intense work and it takes, you don't have instant gratification from any of it because it takes a long time to make these things tangible or to see your work, you know, come to life. So what, I mean, I guess what keeps you motivated? What are you most passionate about? What gets Doug more up and going in the morning? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I grew up, my dad's a firefighter Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I thought about that as I was growing up. I have two brothers. I have an older brother and a younger brother. My older brother's a firefighter. And then my younger brother is a firefighter. <laughs> you know, One of them's like a big deal in the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah? He's, uh, he's number two in the Bay Area so That's for awesome. firefighting. So he'll probably be in charge one day. It's awesome. But for me, when I was growing up, I always thought I was going to work for Formula One. I ended up taking German in high school because I thought I'd go work you know, over there, Porsche, BMW, et mm-hmm. cetera. But I always want to think about how I can do something with my engineering degree to actually impact people. So, you know, part of what inspires me is my faith and Mm -hmm. sort of realizing also just having sort of overcome things in my own life. How do I actually use that as a tool to help other people? And so for me, I'm inspired by just realizing people have invested in me in my life, whether it's been visible or not, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they've done that for me throughout my whole life. And I have the opportunities I have today because of what people have done for me. So I want to be able to do that for other people, right? And Mm -hmm. when you meet people, you realize that people are just people, independent of who they are, right? And so that's what motivates me is being able to see sort of the change in individuals to see and connect with people on a regular basis and say, hey, just give them that vision of humanity, hopefully, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as it should be sort of perceived as we're here for each other in some ways, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the, and this ties directly into, I will say, our marketing Olympics mentality, which is start your impossible. And I think the the key line there is that we believe that the freedom to move is a is a human right. Is that kind of, is that what we... Yeah, it's a basic human it's right. It's a basic mm-hmm. human right. And so I will kind of pivot over to the, to the Olympics thing. So some people may have seen some of the technology that we may or may not be working on in the future in some of our marketing commercials for the Olympics. So what can you tell us about what they may have seen? About what the, so you certainly had saw the, certainly mm-hmm. saw the HSR <laughs> in there and sort of what it was doing. So HSR was helping people in their homes mm-hmm. and moving that space. So I think that's an ongoing research platform. And as I mentioned before, we want to think about what are those opportunities to connect with the community. Other areas that we're looking at is you know thinking about how do we do work, work with people in power wheelchair space and mm-hmm. what is what are the key opportunities there. So as we continue to sort of investigate and understand the true needs of that community, I believe that it's a good place where technology can make an impact on individuals and it fits within our mobility sort of story as Toyota, right? Mm -hmm. Then you go to the next level of thinking of mobility as a service. How does that fit on sort of more generic platforms? And I think all of this will be integrated when you think about moving from the morning to the evening. So as a a user gives up in the morning and they say, what is my sort of mobility journey throughout the day? We're focused on that Mm -hmm. and able to provide that solution as it goes throughout the day. I would love to see many of these platforms out there where we're really sort of thinking about enabling people to be active Mm -hmm. and independent and free. Mm -hmm. I think we'll see in the next couple of years before the 2020 Olympics, some of these things sort of hopefully 
manifesting mm-hmm. themselves in reality. Yeah, I was going to say, because a lot of this when you're talking about, it seems like very up in the air, very mm-hmm. 30,000 foot view yeah. of it. And it's like, when in, when are we going to get to see some stuff, you know, like the wheelchair, people using the wheelchair or right. HSR maybe making it into the home for somebody on a longer term basis. Yeah. So that's, that's the, that's, that's the inside <laughs> story with Toyota, right? So it's TBD. like, uh, we are not a, we are not a startup company. Mm-hmm. So we, we can't turn around and put something out in six months. We could, but I think there's a lot of other things that come into play when you think about how it works within Toyota, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to necessarily throw something out there that hasn't been really vetted to the point to know that it's safe and it's effective and it's making a difference. So we're being very careful in mm-hmm. our approach to saying, this is truly making a difference. This is truly a benefit. And now we're going to show you what we've thought through and come up with. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to get it out there as fast as possible, right. which we're trying to do. Right. But it's a new area for Toyota. So as you understand the complexity of what medical devices are, how it works in this world, those are all questions that we need to have answered Mm -hmm. right such that we don't hit a hurdle later that prevents it from ever actually getting out there. Right. I feel like sometimes we think about things really holistically. Like if you think about the all of the different startups that brought bikes to cities, right? There was probably several of them. But I don't think all of them thought about the impact that too many bikes in an area would have on on a city. So mm-hmm. we really think about the holistic like environmental impact, how it affect people around, businesses around, which I think is an important part of, of mobility in and of itself. Yeah. I don't want to overthink the problem, but the simple fact is, is that we need to have a couple basic things right, and then we need to create a quality platform that we can get out to the, to the users. So... I would love to see some of these out there before the Olympics, before 2020, and, mm-hmm. and us using them, which I think we will. Can we have a little info on what some of them may or may not look like or do? Hypothetically. Hypothetically. The key technology, I think, is is nothing that's really sort of breakthrough in the world. Okay. Meaning, I'm not going to, people aren't going to levitate and fly around and right, sort of do all this right. other stuff. There's a couple key things that are really important. And one is, what does sort of that mobility spectrum look like? So I will say that our focus is really improving mobility of, of individuals. How mm-hmm. do we allow them to move, be socially engaged some more? So whether that means I have to put somebody at eye level, mm-hmm. or it means they have to be able to go over different sort of terrain indoors, perhaps, you know, every sort of architecturally, not everything's set the right way. We would love to, as we go forward, we start to introduce more and more regulations on how you build something. But that doesn't necessarily mean everything is retrofitted and everything mm-hmm. is accessible for these individuals. So either you provide them a platform that's able to mm-hmm. do these things or you just go fix everything that's out there. I, th- yeah. I think one might be easier than the other. When we come back, we're going to rejoin Jack Hollis and talk more about Start Your Impossible and Toyota's partnership with the Olympics and Paralympics. People know us as moving people in cars, but yeah. it could be a lot of different things in the future. And we yeah. talked to Doug more about, it could be wheelchairs, it could be e-pallet that we announced at mm-hmm. CES. But we've also made some announcements or showed some things in our Olympics and Paralympics commercials that yeah. we had. Can you talk about the campaign that we just went through <laughs> with 2018 Olympics in Pyeongchang? Oh my gosh, we can go on forever on this podcast of just this. But <laughs> the, 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 the campaign, which we, which has a, you know, an entire campaign's theme was start your impossible. Yeah. And I have a belief that whatever Toyota puts their mind towards we can make possible. Mm-hmm. So the campaign was really to highlight the future visions of the things we can go towards. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the ability for us, and remember, mobility too, we talk about you know, vehicles, 
you know, today or, you know, really from a 16 years old to whenever we believe a person should stop driving. Yeah. But what if mobility went both younger and older? You're allowing mm-hmm. for more freedom at younger ages and older ages. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we were kind of given. That's part of what the, the theme was about Start Your Impossible. Don't, don't worry about age. Don't worry about able-bodied or what I call super able-bodied, which mm-hmm. we talk about for, from a Paralympic standpoint, or even at an older age. Put all these pieces together. Throw out what you think we should be doing. And that was what the Start Your Impossible was about. Mm-hmm. So the Olympics is the greatest global sporting event. Mm-hmm. What a great place to announce yeah. what we're going to do. And you saw products from iRoad and individual people mover. And you mm-hmm. saw uh, the ability for you know flying cars. Mm-hmm. You saw um, visions of uh, wheelchairs that can, you know, can both rise up uh, and, and lower. Uh, and there's more. It wasn't about each specific product, though. It was about giving the vision of what yeah. Toyota wants to see as solving, is solving problems that people think yeah. are impossible that we say, ah, maybe not. Right. It's kind of looking at it as like theoretically, I mean, obviously we're working on these products, but you know, they take, they take time to do, but it's more of a, an overall goal shown through these products that we just want to make people be able to move. Yeah. So deep. I love it. (laughs) What's awesome is to work for a company though, that doesn't stand still. Yeah. A a great corporate line is, you know, never best, only better. Mm -hmm. That's what we believe. Yeah. We never done. And it's, you know, one of the elements is it's, it's almost like, you know, something that's just beyond your grasp. You mm-hmm. keep, we keep reaching. It's just beyond. We start to touch it and it keeps moving at that same pace. That's what I think this company not only has has been about, but is even more so today. And I think it's really cool that we that we are always striving for something better. But man, there's never any time to rest either, is there? Never. <laughs> never <laughs> rest. Like, oh, good job. Here's what's next. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> but so how does like Akio Toyota bring that vision down, right? Because I feel like, you know, sometimes I'm so far removed from him and sometimes I feel like I'm so close to the vision too. Like how does that come down from him on what he wants to see? Before I answer that, yeah. I want to tell you what a great way of saying that. Because all of us in the company don't really get a chance to interact with Akio directly. Right. But we still feel very, very, very close to that mm-hmm. vision. That's one of the special values of this company mm-hmm. because we all are on that one team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it comes through all these different channels. So, you know, I, you know, I guess to answer the question is, is, is you know, how do, we, how, how do we make this happen? Akio is very clear about the kind of the big vision of solving freedom problems, freedom to move. But each of the products and each of the outcomes of that are really based upon people grabbing that vision and finding out, what problems need to be solved mm-hmm. and then grabbing a team to, to, to solve it. That's really how right. we get to the end of each one of these. And maybe the reason we feel so close is because corporate communications is doing such a good job of telling everybody I about mean, the vision. I mean, obviously. And it's also because I follow, follow Akio on Instagram. So. Me too. And for both of those reasons, I'll just move on. It's amazing. Perfect. His, his okay. Instagram is amazing. Yeah. No, it really is. I don't know Japanese at all, but I laugh every time. He's always like like thumbs up. Everything, yes. everything is always great. It, Akio, your fashion is on point every time. Oh my time. gosh. His style is so good. <laughs> While we love Akio's style, and if you want to check it out yourself, you can on Instagram at Akio Toyota underscore official. We want to get back to his Start Your Impossible vision. And there's nobody out there who knows more about Toyota's partnership in the Olympics or who supports the Start Your Impossible vision like our next guest, Deidre DeLilly. We are talking today with Deidre DeLilly, 
Group Manager of Olympic Paralympic Marketing Team. By Hi. far the coolest last name we were remarking earlier. Like, you could rule the world with the last name is Delilly. All right. Well, <laughs> maybe I should try. <laughs> so you are, as Allison said, in our Olympics Paralympics Team Group Manager. Talk about, and you're new to Toyota too. What brought you to Toyota and especially to work on Olympics Paralympics? Yeah, thanks. It's, it's great to be here, first and foremost. So thanks for having me. Excited to talk about the Olympics and Paralympics. I've been with Toyota now just for a little over a year. I have a a background in the Olympic and Paralympic space, which really led me to joining the team here at Toyota. So I've been working in the Olympic space for almost 10 years now at a previous firm who was a domestic sponsor. And just through some connections through the Olympic world was brought to Toyota when Toyota decided to become a sponsor of the Olympics and Paralympics. How does one get into the Olympics and Paralympics world? That's a really good question. (laughs) Some people do it very intentionally. For me, it was a little bit of luck, a little bit of good timing. Uh, At the previous firm, I had worked. We hadn't been a, a partner while I was there, and we actually didn't have a sports marketing organization at all. And so it kind of fell on my lap. Wow. I had been working on a number of different, more traditional marketing initiatives. And when the deal came about, I was looking for something new and something exciting. I have a, a long history in sports myself. Mm-hmm. So personally playing college sports, did, did a little bit of coaching yeah. after college. And the opportunity came to me. And I remember that day very clearly where my executive vice president came in the office and said, do you want to start a sports marketing organization? And it'll be focused on the Olympics and Paralympics. And he started to walk out and said, you can take some time to think about it. And I was like, no, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> let's do, do this. It. <laughs> yeah. So the rest is kind of history. Wait, what'd you play in college? I played field hockey. Oh, nice. I, loved, I played field hockey did. in high school. I love field hockey. It is an amazing sport. It is. Yeah. I actually coached a bit while I got my master's uh, oh. at the University of Maine. So really had field hockey as an important component to my life for many, many years. And now, it's also an Olympic sport. Not everyone knows that. So, I did not know that. Yeah. So uh, you should definitely tune in and support the U.S. field hockey team in Tokyo 2020. You've only been here a year, but you've already been through one Olympics with Toyota. That's right. And so talk to us kind of about Toyota's strategy into the Olympics, the first Olympics that you've been through. Um, and, and what are we doing in the Olympics? So one of the reasons I was really interested in, in coming to Toyota and working with the team is that Toyota had a very clear vision around how they wanted to leverage the Olympics and the Paralympics. And that's not always the case with a lot of other partners. So that was very exciting for me. So Toyota has a goal of moving the brand from a car company to a mobility company. And they've been very passionate about using the Olympic and Paralympic platform to help communicate that message. And so that's a long-term, very lofty vision for the organization. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think having all the way up to the top uh, of our leadership, up to Mr. Toyota, having that vision so clearly laid out and understanding that a platform like the Olympics and Paralympics can help us communicate that, that was something that oftentimes it takes brands many years to get there. So really interesting place for me to to join um, with that sort of clarity. Mm-hmm. It's nice that we are clear about that. Yes, that's <laughs> I think right. For a lot of companies, the, these sponsorships and these engagements with something like the Olympics is just a nice thing to do and the executives get to go. And in, in Toyota, it's a part of the fabric of the DNA. Do you see that 
sort of played out multiple ways in marketing? Absolutely. It's one of the reasons I love what I do so much and so passionate about it. Toyota has made a big commitment to helping advance particularly the Paralympic movement. Um, many people aren't even aware that the Paralympics occur you know, every two years. And there's a lot of work to do in terms of building awareness for these amazing, inspiring athletes um, who are working day in and day out to you know, perfect their skills and get to the next level. And so with our goal of really becoming a mobility company, the values of the Paralympics and what the Paralympics really stand for align so well with what we're trying to achieve at Toyota. Um, so we talk a lot at Toyota about being able to create opportunities for people to move freely, regardless of their situation, of their disability. And that's really what epitomizes the Paralympics. And so being able to contribute to something that's, you know, giving back to the Paralympic movement and to society as a whole is, it's really a dream when it comes to the work that I get to do every day. Mm-hmm. And I think back, like, I think a lot of people when they around this campus would see your job and be like, oh my God, that looks so cool, right? Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't want to work on the Olympics, Paralympics? You get to work with the, the you know, uh, governing bodies, the athletes, you get to go to Japan, to Korea, you know, to see the games. Yep. But there's a lot that goes into bringing the strategy to life. Absolutely. And, and that's really hard to take a vision, right? And especially if it's like Akio Toyota's vision mm-hmm. and bringing it to life, you know, and how we manifest that here in the United States. Talk about kind of how you do that and how the team does that. Yeah. Well, first I'll say it is the coolest job. So <laughs> I do not take that for granted at all. I'm very right. grateful to do what I do. But you're right. There's a lot involved in, I think, getting to what people see, games time, see the advertising. There's a lot behind that. There's years of work. You know, we're gearing up for Tokyo 2020 now, and, you know, we're busier than ever. So I think as we think about our goal of moving to a mobility company, and then in the United States, also thinking about all of the constituents we have here from our 1,200 dealers to our team members here at headquarters and our plants around the country to our national governing body partnerships to the athletes that we sponsor, we really need to think about how we can engage all of those different groups to help us advance that goal. And so there's a lot of planning that happens Mm -hmm. in order to think through how you can take all of those different advocates for the brand and make them, you know, I think really work towards a common goal. So, you know, we're, we're already working towards what our concept is going to be in Tokyo 2020. And when you think about that, how is that going to show up from advertising to social media to what we're doing internally within the walls of Toyota to get our team members engaged to how we can help our athletes talk mm-hmm. about Toyota in a really authentic way. Mm-hmm. There's also maybe some barriers and, uh, and you know people might not know this but when you see a commercial mm-hmm. during the olympics it's not just something that we just you know thought up made and put out there you have yes. the USOC United States right. Olympics Committee. Committee. Mm-hmm. You have the IOC, right? Who has to take a look at That's stuff. Right. <laughs> and yeah, then you have there's a governing lot involved. Body. Absolutely. How do yeah. you get through that? You have to plan properly. I think that's why we're working on something that's so, you know, far in advance at this point in time. So there are, you know, the IOC, as you said, the USOC. Oftentimes, if there's an athlete featured, they'll want to review that and have feedback or their agent will want to review that and have feedback. The individual sport governing bodies, so the national governing bodies will have feedback God forbid that. if you want multi-athletes. <laughs> I know, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's certainly a process, but it's also fun to to make sure that you're you know meeting all of the expectations, all of those different partners, because again, there's a group effort here in terms of helping ultimately advance the Paralympic and the Olympic movement. Mm-hmm. 
Increasingly, it seems like the Olympics are a showcase for innovation. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of the shoes worn by the track and field athletes yeah. at Rio. Are we using the Olympics as a platform for introducing innovation? Are we and are we working with the Paralympic mm-hmm. athletes, kind of to help kaizen their their sport? Absolutely, that's a big component of what we do. And it, again, one of the things I love about Toyota, it's we're not just an advertiser or a sponsor of the the games. We are someone who wants to get in there, kind of get dirty and really figure out ways that we can use the expertise and the know-how that we have within Toyota to really help individual athletes and help these national governing bodies. So, you know, things are happening all across the world in different regions. Um, Andrea Scow, she's a German athlete who engineers in Germany and Europe have come together to really help uh, her with her equipment so that she can race better as a Paralympic athlete in a sit ski. And we're working with our TRD engineers here in the U.S. who typically on any given day are working on you know, motorsports. Mm-hmm. And so pulling them in to say, hey, we have a challenge with a Paralympic athlete. Can you take a look at his or her chair or the gloves that they're racing with or some other piece of equipment? And it's a ton of fun for them and for us to be able to see how we can take the expertise we have and really translate that into helping individual athletes. And the goal is ultimately to be able to take that technology and figure out how we can share it more broadly so that we can really help advance society in a bigger way. That's amazing. That's super cool. Yes, you do have the coolest job. Yeah, I I do. I love talking to Deidre, and we're going to hear more from her in a bit. But first, let's get back to Doug, who can tell us more about the technology that goes into supporting Olympic and Paralympic athletes. What was the message there that you were telling at Special Olympics? So the message there was really trying to, again, understand some of their needs, right? So when you think about these platforms, trying to say, hey, again, we as Toyota are trying to solve or think about some of the challenges that are faced on a day-to-day basis. And so mobility in that world is a little bit different when you think about the intellectual disability space. A lot of it's about just how can I get reliable transportation to allow individuals to get to and from work, perhaps. Mm -hmm, Maybe they can't mm -hmm. drive, but they can work. And can we allow them that opportunity to get to work? So that thinks a little bit more like mobility as a service, right? So how do we provide that mobility as a service, provide a trustworthy platform for that? And two is just to, again, provide a little bit of exposure for people to see the HSR platform, to know what we're doing, to hear that story as Toyota's this mobility company in a Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Can you talk a little bit more about the opportunities we've found with the athletes who we've made relationships with through our partnership with the Paralympics? Yeah, I think when we've had the chance to interact with some of these athletes, one, you're dealing with some amazing people, right? All of the people that we interact with on a regular basis bring such a passion and a story and a background that a lot of us are just shocked by, right? You hear some of these stories, hey, I was injured or I was born this way, and et cetera, and yet I still have the desire to overcome. What we've done as Toyota is try to say, let's look at some of the equipment or the tools that you're using. Again, I always go back to the tools and how can we make some improvements? Because we as Toyota are very good at thinking about quality, about sort of finding the root cause of what is the biggest challenge that's faced in there and then providing a solution. One of those solutions are, for example, our gloves and how you actually use with a wheelchair, right? So we did some investigation of what is currently out there, what's on the market, how do we actually make it better and apply some of the, the technology that we have here internally. So the TRD group, the Toyota Racing Development Group, actually used some of their engineering expertise to address this specific question. In that process, though, we also try to say, rather than just doing it for a single individual person, how do we actually make it a little bit more generic such that that technology is available for the entire community of para-athletes, right? So 
a lot of that effort that goes in there uh, can be benefited through the right type of sponsorship. Yeah. How do we actually, again, try to level that playing field a little bit and saying, hey, here's some cool new mm-hmm. stuff for you to use, technology, tools, et cetera, mm-hmm. for the whole entire Paralympic world and yeah. say, here you go, use it. We as Toyota as a sponsor and a partner with the Paralympics would love to see the success and the ability for this community to be seen on that same level, right? The point is not necessarily to say, what does it look like is cool technology, mm-hmm. but looking at who are the people we're trying to impact and yeah. what, is the, what does their challenge look like? Because that's something we all see every day, right. right? As people. So the people on this podcast, when you're listening to this mm-hmm. and you're looking around, who am I around right now? What are they, Do I know people with challenges? Right. You know, typically, I ask an audience for people to raise their hand if they know someone that's disabled. And it's usually at least 60% of the audience, mm-hmm. if not more, has their hand up. Right. So let's look at that person that's around us mm-hmm. and then say, how do I think about solving that problem for them? That's We're doing the yeah. same thing. Right. We're just then applying our toyota isness. Yep, mentality, it. yeah. And saying, let's come up with a good solution. And so that's the whole goal yeah. of the Paralympics. So what were some of the challenges that the that the athletes were facing with their gloves? So what did we do to improve them and what was their issue before? For example, if you're making gloves for marathoners in the chair. You has to last over a long distance, right. right? And so you can just imagine, you know, working your hands anytime against a surface mm-hmm. over a long period of time. Right. Mm-hmm. Tends to be difficult. Quality, reliability, durability, right? That's yeah. Right. So like halfway through the race, they don't have to worry about what their gloves are doing and what they're feeling. It's just, it's just consistent. That's consistency. right. That's right. Cool. Yeah, even simple things like casters on a wheelchair, right? If your caster is not adjusted and done Sorry, properly, what's a caster? A caster. So on a shopping cart, you know, the front wheels that sort of swing back and forth. Oh, okay. That's a caster. Got it. If a caster is not... So we've all had a shopping cart where we push a little too fast and the caster will mm-hmm. wobble, et cetera. It's kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on a shopping cart that like the Primo shopping carts, maybe the ones... The Whole Foods. Uh, I was going to say the ones at Whole Foods. <laughs> Shout out Whole Foods. I love you. <laughs> When you have a, a shopping cart that works, you really like it, right? And yeah. So in this world, I mean, just going back to the world of wheelchair, to get your caster replaced if it's not working is typically something that might not be covered or not mm-hmm. covered frequently mm-hmm. enough to where you can actually get it out there. So just being able to use sort of the quality process to making sure those things are functioning properly is an impact not only for the Paralympic community, but for the whole wheelchair community. How right. do I use these things? How do I make it sort of consistently usable mm-hmm. in my world? Very cool. My kids have the innate ability to find the shopping cart that like both front wheels are broken and sure. I just have to sit there and trudge. And then they both the- hang off the one side of the cart, not balance. Absolutely. Like, hey, come on, kids. Yeah. Or they want to use the fire truck shopping cart that like is the worst and beat up and like half, <laughs> you know, the steering wheels are missing on it. And, That's right. That's right. But it looks like a You know, they should truck. make shopping carts with little like ladders that the kids can climb up so you don't have to put them up and put them in. Right? Oh, you just sold your own Shark Tank idea. No, that's right. Or Velcro on the outside. Just Velcro your kids to There's just kids just stuck to the cards and they're like bumping into the end cap. That's right. That's right. Like, oh. Yeah. That's the idea right there. Just put your kids in a Velcro suit and then everywhere you go, there's just Velcro things. Stay there. Yeah, we'll call it bumper kids. And you can tell them which one to grab off the shelf. Hey, you know, the, the kid on the left side, grab those. Kid on the right, grab those. They can just put it in the cart for you. Oh like, my gosh. We'll call those autonomous bumper carts. <laughs> oh I just make my kids, as I'm moving, I make them it's like get in the cart. If they want to get in, they have to do it while I'm moving. Yeah, it's that's like... right. <laughs> it's called tough love. 
Thanks for the idea, Doug. I think Mark Cuban lives in Dallas, so we'll uh, give him a call. That brings us to the end of our very first episode of Toyota Untold. But the story is just beginning. In the coming weeks, we'll hear more from Jack, Doug, and Deidre on how Toyota is helping move the world. In our next episode, we'll hear from Alan Pierce, a heroic Tundra owner who helped residents of Paradise, California escape from the wildfires safe and sound. 